Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming back to listen. If you're new to the Canadian Farmer, then welcome. This podcast was created specifically for Canadian pharmacists and technicians, but has become a venue for anyone who wants to listen, including other healthcare professionals or anyone else interested in the topics we cover. The content and therapeutic information is based on Canadian guidelines and is specific to pharmacy practice here in the North. The intent here is to provide an easy way for us to refresh our knowledge and keep up with all that's changing within our scope. So regardless of what you do or where you are, I'm glad you're listening. And please remember that all of the opinions expressed during this podcast are based on my own personal interpretation. Now, if you go back and listen to some of the podcasts already recorded, you'll find that a lot has changed since we started just before Christmas. Our society is dramatically different, for sure, and definitely the seasons have changed. So we went from frigid to mild to hot, and now we're cooling down again in late September. The topics for today are primarily fungal infections, right? And I'll throw in some swimmers here at the end. I'm actually recording this episode during a tropical storm here on the East Coast. Actually, that's a lie. That's a lie, because when I wrote this, It was during the tropical storm, but then the wire that connects the mic to my laptop got snapped in half mysteriously. No one knows what happened. And so I had to wait for it to be replaced. So the storm is over. Everything's fine. It's actually 23 degrees outside right now. So, I mean, I have to tell the truth. It says the wind is blowing, the rain is pouring, and the fungal infections are brewing. Well, the latter may be true, but it's not raining anymore. Okay. Fungal infections are not only relevant for the season, but also for our daily practice. And that's because these infections in some of our provinces are minor ailments that pharmacists can prescribe for. So like here in Nova Scotia, for sure. If you haven't prescribed for this indication already, you should be well prepared after our time together today. And don't let the agenda fool you. Just because we're talking about jock itch, an athlete's foot, doesn't mean it's going to be a snore. Guaranteed, you'll learn something new today and maybe even laugh a little in the process. So if you're driving, thanks for taking us along. If you're listening while you're running, jog on, buddy. Good on you. And for those of you who are relaxing at home with your earbuds in, I'm glad you showed up. Grab something nice to drink and let's get started. Right, so here are the fungal infections we're going to cover. Tinea corporis, tinea cruris, tinea pedis. All are unwelcomed infestations of the same thing, just in different places. So the first thing we need to review is the origin of the infection, and that is the dermatophyte. These tiny creatures do not infect living tissue. They feed on dead keratin found in the skin, hair, and nails. So when I was writing the podcast, thinking about these little skin eaters, I started thinking about all of the nasty bugs we can't see. And that brought me back to something I've seen on television a long time ago. Now, I don't know if it was Oprah or that show Amazing Discoveries, but they were selling a vacuum cleaner and they were showing what they could suck out of someone's mattress, which was a shocking amount of matter. And they also show you what microscopic dust mites look like. And those eat the debris that is shed into the mattress. So this is the image in my head of dermatophytes living in luxury on a Tempur-Pedic, the dermatophyte buffet. It is so gross, and I believe that's why God made them microscopic. 
Okay, moving on. Risk factors for fungal infections. They include exposure to animals, diabetes, immune disorders, poor circulation, poor hygiene, and warm, humid weather. Bingo! Dermatophytes thrive in warm and moist environments. And so, they often show up in skin folds and poorly ventilated areas, like beneath the breast, the groin, and between the toes. Throw in some tropical weather and a good sweat and things get really itchy, really red, really fast. And this can happen literally from head to toe. So tinea means fungus, and the location of the infection is how it gets its name. Tinea capitis is on the head, just like you would find a cap on your head. Tinea corporis, think of a corpse. It's a fungal infection on the body, the trunk, or the limbs. Tinea cruris is the groin and upper parts of the thigh. Think cruel when you think cruris, and you'll remember the crotch. And finally, tinea pedis is an infection of the feet. Okay, that's interesting, but who cares? Because regurgitating this jargon to your patient means nothing. They will likely tell you to dermatophot off. So let's just get down to how it presents and then finally how to get rid of it. Okay, dermatophyte infections of the body, tinea corporis, appear on the trunk and limbs on smooth, bare areas. The rash starts as flat circles that get scaly and larger and the center will begin to clear as the edges become raised with vesicles. By the way, I should mention each type of fungal infection is contagious. And this one is no exception. It's specifically known to spread easily among athletes. One of my top five, five reasons for not being a professional wrestler. <laughs> okay, so you'll recognize tinea corporis by a round rash found in bare areas of the trunk that appears to be clearing from the inside out. So when you see that, you have to think dermatophyte. So next, cruris. Tinea cruris is the fungal infection of the groin, also known as jock itch, and it can be easily mixed up with yeast infections. So we're going to make sure that you know how to spot the difference. Not to say you have to inspect the area of your patients. You can just ask some questions in order to differentiate. So first thing, a fungal infection is well-defined with distinct borders. Yeast infections have subtle borders and stray little bumps or satellite lesions. Okay? Also, tinea cruris does not affect the penis and scrotum in men. But a yeast infection can. So you've got to practice how you're going to ask where the itch lingers. If the genitalia are involved, then you can be pretty confident it isn't fungal. So here's a one-liner to help you remember. If it itches and it dangles, then it's yeast you need to wrangle. Catchy, right? I know, but it's really not that useful. You'll see in just a minute, it hardly matters which it is because most of the treatments we use for dermatophyte infections are also effective for yeast infections. So regardless of which one it is, you can still use the same treatment. Okay, and this is interesting. If someone has jock itch, they most likely have athlete's foot. Apparently, the feet can act as a reservoir for the infection and it can spread to the groin. The mechanism by which it spreads from the foot to the groin is not for us to know. Okay, the last one, tinea pedis or athlete's foot, is a scaly rash that usually starts between the toes. It itches and it burns and it sometimes causes the skin to crack. Okay, now we know all of the places where we can find it. How do we make it go away? 
First of all, not with cornstarch. Discourage the use of cornstarch as an absorbent powder. The idea behind it makes sense, I agree, but we want to soak up the, mo the excess moisture. Okay, but the cornstarch itself actually adds fuel to the fire, literally. The dermatophytes can eat it. So imagine you're thinking, I'm going to use this cornstarch, I'm going to get ahead of it, and all the while you're actually fertilizing it. Other non-medicated powders are all right though, just not cornstarch. Treatment of tinea corporis of the body or tinea cruris of the croin, croin, groin, and pedis all respond well to topical medications except nystatin. Nystatin doesn't work on dermatophytes. But all of the following will work on infections caused by dermatophytes or yeast. So here they are. Terbenafine, that's Lamisil. Clotrimazole, that's Canestin. Ketoconazole, Meconazole, and Cyclopyrox or Loprox. Topical antifungals are typically applied twice a day, usually for two weeks up to a month to completely clear the infection. We want to encourage patients to keep the area clean and dry. And I guess hair dryers are handy in drying things off completely. A lot of the resources I used recommended using a hair dryer on the cool setting though to completely dry the skin after bathing. And that's instead of rubbing the area with a towel that can cause irritation. So this is key. Treatment should be continued for five to seven days after the rash has completely resolved in order to prevent it from coming right back again. Combination products, we see those a lot with antifungals and steroids, generally not recommended because of the increased adverse effects and no greater efficacy. But they can be useful when the itch is really uncomfortable. So recommend dropping the steroid as soon as possible, but again, continue the antifungal beyond resolution. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's move on to otitis externa, or swimmer's ear. So this infection is usually call, caused sorry, by Pseudomonas and or Staphylococcus, and it causes swelling of the ear canal, and it's usually just one ear, not both. It's called swimmer's ear because it also thrives from moisture, so a lot like fungus. And prolonged moisture in the ear canal can impair the skin barrier, allowing microorganisms to penetrate. The same thing can happen without swimming, though. Um, any damage to the canal can initiate an infection. So hearing aids, cotton swabs, atopic dermatitis, for example, they can all cause tiny cracks in the skin for bacteria to enter. So although you don't need to swim to get a swimmer's ear, it is common in the summertime when swimming occurs more often, especially when in water with high bacteria levels. Fungal infections of the ear aren't as common, but more likely if the patient was just treated with oral or topical antibiotics. I guess we are completely, completely rid of the uh, dermatophyte, are we? I thought we were. Okay, so those with swimmer's ear are likely to complain of pain, redness, and swelling, and sometimes might report a discharge from the ear canal. Terrible pain should be investigated as this may be indicative of a ruptured eardrum. And a ruptured eardrum limits which agents you can use to treat the infection. For example, the OTC products available for swimmer's ear like Oradry should not be used in those with ear tubes, ear discharge, or suspected ruptured eardrum. However, for the rest of us, these drops, which are basically alcohol, help to dry out the ears. One part vinegar and one part water can also be used to flush the ears after swimming for people that are prone to swimmer's ear. And ophthalmic preparations can be used in the ears and in some cases are more affordable than the eardrops. 
Okay, regardless of what is chosen, the usual duration for treatment is about a week and there shouldn't be any swimming until the infection is gone. That's just going to feed into it. And when in the shower, cotton balls can help to keep the moisture out. Prescription treatment might include a steroid, which can help with the inflammation and ear pain, but oral acetaminophen or ibuprofen will also work. And in Canada, we've only got a few choices for treatment behind the counter. So we've got ciprofloxacin with or without dexamethasone. That's one option, and it's a good choice if the patient has tubes or the eardrum has ruptured because cipro does not cause ototoxicity. Remember, you can use the ophthalmic version if ciprodex isn't covered or available. Locacortin viaform is another option effective against bacteria and fungi as well, but this one shouldn't be used in kids under two, and again, contraindicated if the eardrum is perforated. Locacortin viaform helps with itch, swelling, and discharge. Might be a good choice if fungus could be contributing. Again, in someone who is just on antibiotic or in someone with chronic episodes of otitis externa. Polysporin eye and eardrops are available for self-selection, and they're not a bad choice. There are options that contain lidocaine, though. Don't recommend these because the topical anesthetics are known to cause hypersensitivity. Again, polysporin drops aren't a good idea in those who do not have an intact tympanic membrane or who have tubes. Oral antibiotics aren't necessary, the opposite of otitis media, unless used in combination with topical antibiotics in people who are immunocompromised or when the infection spreads beyond the ear. And one more thing, like lidocaine, benzocaine should not be recommended, and that's found in Canada in a product called Oralgan. They may decrease the effectiveness of the antibiotic, and these numbing agents can cause dermatitis. So stick with Tylenol or Advil to treat the pain. Okay, now for another interesting fun fact. If the ear canal is significantly swollen, a wick can be threaded through the opening to help move the drops through and lengthen the contact time of the antibiotics on the canal. So I could see this going sideways for some people and I might not recommend it for everyone. Also, can't tell you where to pick up a wick, but food for thought. All right, this podcast was dense with information, so I'm going to do a recap to solidify it in your brain. Okay, concentrate. Prolonged moisture on the skin is a major risk factor for both fungal infections and otitis externa and is more likely to occur in the summer months because of more frequent swimming and more excessive sweating. Keeping the skin and the ear canal dry will help to prevent these infections. Fungal infections show up everywhere and are usually scaly and itchy with distinct borders. Topical treatments are typically effective for both fungal infections and swimmer's ear, and for both indications, less is more in terms of treatment. So combination agents with both an anti-infective and a corticosteroid, usually not required nor more effective. Antifungal agents include terbenafine, the azoles, and cyclopyrox. They're all used to treat athlete's foot, jock itch, and ringworm. Ciprofloxacin, polymyxin B with grimacidin, and lococortin viaform are all available in Canada for otitis externa, but only ciprofloxacin is safe for those with tubes or a perforated eardrum. And that is it. You've got yourself up to date and set to treat the infections that the warm weather can bring. Think of the kids going back to school in this 25 degree weather, wearing their new false school clothes, <laughs> a lot of sweating going on there. You need to be ready. It's hard to believe, 
but school is back in, things are getting back on track, and that brings me to the end of the podcast, and a joke about back to school that fits in nicely with our topic today. Okay, it's the first day back to school, and during silent reading, the teacher notices a little boy squirming in his seat and scratching at his crotch. Discreetly, she invites him up to her desk and quietly asks him why he is uncomfortable. He replies that his mother forgot his special cream that stops the itching and the teacher ushers him off to the office to call his mother right away. A little while later, the little boy returns to the classroom and takes a seat. Assuming the situation has been addressed, the teacher begins the next activity but cannot continue because of the noise and commotion coming from the class. She turns to see and finds all of her students facing the same little boy. The teacher walks to his desk to find the little boy with his pants unzipped and his private parts displayed for all to see. Completely thrown, she tells him to button his pants right away and asks him why he hadn't called his mother about the cream. I did, he says, his eyes welling up with tears. Then what are you doing, she probes. I did what she told me, he insisted. She said that if I could stick out until noon, she would come and pick me up. (laughs) And we think pharmacy is hired. Best of luck to all of our teachers. We appreciate you, that's for sure. Okay, guys, that's it for this round. I'll be back again soon, and I'm looking forward to hearing about what interests you. So let me know on Facebook. Just search Canadian Farmer with a PH for Farmer. Let me know what you want to hear. Have a great day, and stay dry.